Welcome to How I Grew My Practice, the podcast where health professionals share the behind the scenes stories of how they built a thriving practice. Each episode will uncover surprising challenges, victories, and life lessons learned throughout their journeys. Let's get started. Welcome to How I Grew My Practice, a podcast presented by Next Health. I'm your host, Alec Goldman. In this episode, we have Philip Tao, operating partner at The Smilest, a DSO based in the Northeast region. He's here to talk about how his organization is using technology to scale and grow his employer brand and DSO. Phil, welcome to the show. It's so good to see you. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you, Alec, for having me on the show. Very fortunate from our perspective. Um, Obviously, Smilus has been uh, an Excel customer for quite some time. Uh, Incredibly gracious for your business and learning so much from you along the way, Phil. Um, But for those who do not know uh, Mr. Phil Tao, if you can give a quick introduction to who you are and kind of how you came about being a part of the, the, the founding team, the, the partner of the Smilist and yeah. what yeah, you know, so, um, so I'm one of the co-founders of the um, of the Smilist and um, kind of fell into dentistry, I suppose, kind of after um, after business school. So after business school, I went to work for a, um, a healthcare distributor called Henry Shine. And so that was kind of my exposure to dental. You know, the joke was, you know, I didn't have these career aspirations to be in, you know, dental middle management, but that's kind of how, you know, how I started my career at Henry Shine. And there, I really kind of got to see, you know, this whole segment of DSOs grow, um, you know, much earlier than, you know, now I think it's kind of very common um, that, you know, people know about uh, dental groups and how they've kind of in many ways replicated uh, the medical side, right? But there for about 10 years, kind of got to see them grow all around the country as well as around the world. And so, you know, after, you know, I guess towards the end of my career there, started chatting with an old business school classmate of mine. And we said, you know what, I think there's an opportunity here in the New York metro area to start kind of our own DSO. So it was kind of like this flip from, you know, being the, uh, the, the, the seller on one side to being the customer kind of on the other. And that, you know, which is super exciting. And I think that's something that even, um, you know, Shine encouraged in a lot of their employees was kind of how to be an entrepreneur. And so, you know, in 2014, took the leap and, you know, and together we bought our first practice. And, uh, and from, the, you know, on Long Island. And then now we've probably bought, you know, upwards of over 70 uh, practices and now we have 65 locations uh, throughout kind of New York Metro, you know, from uh, from Philadelphia to Connecticut, actually Delaware to Connecticut. So exciting! Um, can you dive a little bit in more into the gap that you saw that you're you know thinking about? Hey, uh, what, what what was the gap within patient care that you thought there was an opportunity to fix, improve, and ultimately scale? Yeah, so I think, you know, one of our kind of thesis was really thinking about um, kind of even take a step back and you said, okay, you know, I, I'm, I'm a dentist, I graduated from dental school, and then all of a sudden, you know, I work for somebody and then ultimately I buy a practice and I, you know, run that practice. And we will say that that person is a bit of like a forced entrepreneur. Because when you go through dental school, hey, I didn't learn about marketing, I didn't learn about HR, I didn't learn about finance, but somehow you're kind of forced to do it. 
And this idea of, you know, there's an opportunity here to, you know, kind of run, you know, the business of dentistry better because, you know, anytime you kind of focus and, hey, I'm going to do this thing like really well. And so that kind of came up with the idea of how do you partner up with the dentist? Let that dentist focus on the clinical side of, you know, doing their job, what they went to dental school for, where they spend the vast majority of their day, instead of being a part-time marketer, you know, after the day ends, after I saw my last patient, you know, we have a team of people that focuses on marketing, on IT, on HR, um, you know, on finance, and kind of do all of these things so that, um, you know, it's kind of the sum is greater than the whole. And so related to that is oftentimes, you know, if you talk to a dentist, they talk about, you know, that patient experience is just around like clinical care. Hey, I provide really good care for, you know, for so-and-so, my patients, as opposed to the overall patient experience. So that's where, you know, that gap is because now we have a team of people that think about like the rest of the experience, whether it could be, you know, things like online scheduling or, or kind of being able to make their payments or being able to communicate with us, you know, um, that's not necessarily just a traditional, I showed up, you know, at the practice. And so when we think about all of these things, then, you know, we're able to enhance that patient experience to, you know, like we're, we're trying to modernize that experience because it's not like, you know, back in the day that, you know, somebody makes, a, you know, a restaurant reservation, they would call the restaurant. Now it's like nobody wants to call the restaurant. You know, they're just booking it online. And I think very similar as, as those kind of consumer kind of habits kind of are, are building and, and, and thus the expectations change, you know, how, we're applying that into dentistry and into healthcare and what, you know, patients expect from us. Um, and that's part of that patient experience. I mean, even when you look at most of our reviews, it's... Um, you know, it's not necessarily, hey, you know, I got the best crown ever, or I get the best, you know, whatever, um, cavity filling ever. But it's about like, hey, I love, you know, the staff was friendly. Um, I, I, you know, I, I could book my appointment online. Those things are part of that patient experience. And we're able to provide that experience because we're able to, you know, provide something consistent, as well as um, freeing up the staff's time to not, you know, be on the phone with the insurance company while the patient is, you know, standing right there in front of you. So how do we take those things away um, so that, you know, the staff can can uh, focus on, you know, the patient that's in the office. And so all of those things, you know, you can do because you're, you know, through scale, you know, we're big. So, hey, we can do these things and take some of these uh, functions out of the office so that people in the office can focus on the patients that are coming in. So the topic that we're going for is, you know, how to use technology to scale growing, obviously the business and really uh, an employer brand, right? Like making uh, staff really happy to work at an organization like the Smilists. Technology is such a vast word. If you can share, and maybe it's obvious to uh, yourself, but just if, if you could share, what are the key technologies that we're talking about that are enabling the smilest to scale. Yeah, so you know, it, building upon you know what I mentioned earlier is really um, how do you make their job easier, right? So when we're talking about scaling, um, you know, one of the things you know, knock on wood, that we're 
we're good at is when we um, affiliate with the practice, we're usually able to drive growth. And so a lot of times when, again, broadly speaking, that technology word is used, people think, oh, you know, this software or this kind of program is going to try and replace me or some portion of me, as opposed to, no, that's not how we think about it. We think about it like, how do we get, um, you know, the team to focus more on how to, you know, deliver kind of more intimate and engaging care with the patients. And so, you know, we have, we utilize technology to, um, I mentioned earlier, do online kind of scheduling, you know, that can be done um, so then that, you know, the phone doesn't ring as often. Well, if the phone's not ringing, then I can pay more attention to the patients that that's right in front of me. And likewise, we have technology that will do, um, you know, all your benefits verification, insurance um, uh, ver- verification um, for the office so that they're not on the phone with, you know, the insurance company. And so those types of things are, you know, really enhancing the way, you know, patients kind of interact with us. We also have utilized technology that, um, you know, we use chatbots that can, you know, interact with uh, the patient and they can do things because of the connection we have with our practice management system. They can confirm appointments, they can check on appointments, they can reschedule appointments using a chatbot. And again, that kind of takes away, um, that takes away uh, perhaps a phone call or multiple phone calls that would otherwise come into the office. So we try and kind of pull these activities um, out of the office so that the people in the office can, can interact with patients, which um, going back to like, how does that impact kind of our growth? Well, kind of somebody that has these tools are just going to be, you know, um, I'll say kind of happier employees, right? So don't meet too many people that says, hey, I love to be on hold for 30 minutes, you know, on the phone with the insurance company, you know, at the office. And that's kind of like my day-to-day job. I believe many people in healthcare are in healthcare because they enjoy um, and love that, you know, the patient interactions, um, if you're kind of in a non-clinical kind of role, and also the clinical interactions that you have with patients. They love taking care of, patients. And so to the extent that technology kind of allows that makes them be able to do that better, um, you know, I think that's what, you know, is the difference for us. So many times people think, oh, technology can kind of do this one particular task, but we think about it more broadly in terms of how do you enhance kind of employee satisfaction, um, kind of just allowing them to do their job better. So, you know, who doesn't want to do a good job? Um, and that really kind of helps grow, um, you know, the, the organization as well as the culture, you know, within the company. So just to kind of spell out the, the very detailed process, you acquire a practice, that practice is likely using different technology than what the smilest greater organization is on. You come in and say, Hey, the tools and ways at which you've been operating we're going to be making some changes. We're going to be installing perhaps this EHR and perhaps this patient experience platform. That obviously for somebody who's been in a role for an extremely long period of time, can be scary. Yeah. Can you talk about some of the challenges of just change management as it relates to technology? 
Yeah, so absolutely. That's, um, you know, our business model is, as I mentioned um, in the introduction, we've kind of partnered up with, you know, over probably upwards, you know, almost 80 practices. And, um, and oftentimes, you know, they're the technology that they're using or perhaps lack of technology they're using um, is one of the big kind of change management um, kind of uh, aspects that we, you know, that we work on and, and really focus on. And so one thing that we've found successful and agree with you, it's, it's completely scary and, and um, kind of intimidating for them, but we find it very, you know, much more effective when we're able to kind of bring in staff, like our integration team are kind of very experienced. So it's not like, hey, we send in the IT team and the IT team's going to switch you from this, you know, piece of software to the next. Um, we have a combination uh, as it relates to technology an integration team as well as the IT team. The IT team can kind of manage a lot of technical aspects and really just making sure it works. But the secret sauce is really the integration team that has been there and done that. Hey, you know, I was, you know, I've been in this role before. It could be an assistant role. It could be a front desk role. It could be a hygienist role. I know kind of what you're going through. Some of them have gone through um, kind of integrations and conversions themselves. And kind of being able to make that kind of uh, that connection, that deeper connection, and not just saying, okay, this is better for you for X, Y, and Z reason is like a huge kind of game changer um, that because it's not just how to use kind of a piece of software, but like why it's important and why, you know, this, this is better than the next thing and what it means kind of for them and being able to translate and being able to um, kind of articulate it in their own kind of words and vocabulary just makes like a world of difference. It's not like, um, hey, you know, we, we never want to, you know, when we step away, you know, after whatever the first week, it's like, you know what, you know, Phil, Phil doesn't understand my business. He doesn't understand dentistry, doesn't understand how my practice works, you know, because technology is just one of numerous things that we have to get right. And so we want, you know, where we walk away says, hey, you know, we get it doesn't mean that um, there aren't bumps along the way. But, um, but because we understand each other, uh, there's more um, kind of leeway for that, you know, when issues do arise to say, okay, well, let's kind of, you know, talk through it and how, how are we going to problem solve and, and figure this out. And so, so we don't take that, um, you know, that hammer approach. <laughs> we come in say, okay, you know, here's all the things you need and take it and that's it. And then we're gone. Um, we're we're very kind of collaborative in in the way we uh, introduce and implement technology. It's a really nice touch. Um, how long does the integration team stay at each office? And you know, what are some of their responsibilities? I'm sure certainly shadowing and helping train on existing technologies like Next Health. Um, but yeah. what else are they responsible for to ensure an easy migration from being an independent practice to being a part of the Smileless brand? Yeah. So, um, you know, when we think of oftentimes when we think about like a conversion, um, you know, there's a, a specific date in mind, but, you know, there's just as much work that takes place prior to it as well as kind of after it. So, um, so this idea of like, how do we kind of minimize, um, surprises, 
So whether it be, you know, converting practice management system or let's say kind of, you know, onboarding them to Next Health. Look, the, the great news is we have lots of other offices on it. And so there's a lot of, you know, internal experts. So we start kind of reviewing and showing them, um, you know, well before kind of that, that conversion date, here's kind of all the tools, here's how we use it, here's all the different features, there's almost like a, like an internal kind of testimonial, you know, of sorts. And so they're able to kind of see it ahead of times, um, depending on the size and the number of staff, you know, it could be whatever a week in I mean, uh, four weeks in advance, kind of leading up to it. Um, you know, a much more involved one would be kind of the practice management kind of software, kind of training them, you know, they'll kind of bring laptops, um, you know, we have it run in the cloud so we can remote into other locations and then basically show them like, hey, here's all the things that, you know, not just like that are different, but here's all the things that are the same. So this feeling like, oh, it's not kind of completely changed over. And then, um, and then afterwards, uh, you know, our growth model is very predicated on kind of us having kind of geographical density. So, you know, we're not trying to be in, you know, 20 different states and we all have like a handful in each, each state, whereas we have a lot in kind of very concentrated areas. So we build um, this kind of network and community. And then so when we're training, the, the, um, that integration team might be there for, let's say, the first week. So as you said, kind of shadow and kind of be able to answer any questions, kind of walk through all the different scenarios, but also having that community where it says, you know what, um, I need help. And I feel good that, you know, I have that relationship with Phil, with Alex, so I'm just going to call them up or, or slack them, um, you know, these kind of types of questions. And so because, you know, we set up our technology where people can remote in, um, you know, I could kind of jump in and kind of log into whatever your, your office and then be able to walk you through how to do something. And so a lot of it is just, I'll say kind of mental knowing that, Hey, I have a safety net. So yes, all of this stuff is daunting and, and, um, it's not, you know, it's may or may not be easy, at least in their minds, but knowing that there's a safety net for them that, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm not here by myself or, oh, on Friday, Phil leaves and, you know, then I'm by myself. Just having that like, look, you know, we're, we're all a team. We're here to help each other. And, um, and that, you know, makes a world of difference because every whatever integration is going to be a little bit different. Um, and so, you know, so it's important for us to be flexible in that, you know, not have this kind of rigid kind of playbook because uh, we've, we've yet to find one that works 100% of the time. That makes sense. Um, I guess you mentioned the, the community word, but each of these practices obviously are not located one next to the other. Yes, they're in the same region, but how are you building a community across practices, across the teams at each of those practices? Yeah, so uh, a variety of different ways. Um, you know, one, uh, I'll say kind of starting with kind of virtually, you know, I mentioned uh, internally we use Slack. So we have a variety of kind of different Slack channels, some that are office specific, some are region specific, some are um, kind of uh, role kind of specific. So, you know, there's that uh, in interaction. And on Slack, it's more than just, um, 
you know, I'll say it like business. There's lots of fun things kind of that goes on as well. So, you know, culture is uh, one of the, the key pillars in, in, I believe, kind of our success. Um, so that's one. Two, there's a lot of, um, you know, regional events. And so, you know, we'll typically have regions for both. Uh, we'll have like a summer event as well as like a winter event that kind of bring people kind of together. Um at, at a social level, right? Um, so it's not like, again, oh, I come for, for like a business meeting type of thing. So like, for example, earlier this year, we had a, a doctor summit where we brought everybody together in Times Square. Um, and so that people are now kind of interacting and then they know each other, they kind of have backgrounds uh, on each other. Um, and then obviously there's like the business side of things as well, where regional managers will kind of, uh, you know, bring the team together. It could be various kind of regional training sessions. It could be training even, um, let's say <clears throat> I'm a new employee that's starting and then they'll send uh, me to location B to kind of train with that team, even though I'm going to permanently work at location A. So then, you know, then I kind of create that connectivity with somebody at a nearby location. It's like, oh, I know the team because my first like, you know, two weeks, I started somewhere else and I met that team and then I came back and then I work in this location. So you kind of do enough of that, then there's kind of connectivity um, across the organization. So it's not one, one thing, it's lots of different things and I'm sure I'm missing some. I'm sure, but certainly it's a huge focus for the Smilist. Um, and I'm sure it's why the retention of your staff across the locations is, is just so great. Um, obviously the Smilist, you know, the, the business model to what you said is that dentists focus on the clinical care and are going to get lots of support before, during, and after each patient appointment. It means that the technology that your organization is using specifically before, also during, but and, and really after is so important. Can you talk a little bit about what is the criteria that you have in your head of when selecting a vendor for something that is just so fundamentally important to your bottom line? Yeah. So, um, you know, it's crazy to say this, um, but it, it has to work. I, I can't tell you how many things uh, that, you know, you look at and then it's like it doesn't work. Um, and whatever, I'll caveat that by saying it has to work for us, you know, because, you know, we have our set of processes and our kind of culture. Um and so when we look at, you know, technology, it has to make sense. And um, where, again, going back to, like, it really is helping. Um, you know, we've tried software where, you know, it kind of sounds good. And, and again, for a variety of reasons, it just doesn't work. And it just makes things more kind of complicated. Um, you know, talked a lot about, you know, change management already. But, you know, one aspect of that is like workflow. It's okay, you know, I'm used to doing things in kind of these 10 steps. And then now there's some, you know, small to large kind of change that I need for it. And so whenever we're evaluating um, technology, we keep that in mind a lot, you know. So it's not just, hey, what are all the, <clears throat> you know, the features that the software can provide as opposed to not only can it, you know, provide that, but how does that fit into how we, how we work? And how much of a lift is that to to shift that that change, clinical or kind of otherwise? And oftentimes, when we find that that's the case, because inevitably, you know, the features 
you know, we're only looking at technology that can really kind of benefit like the team and kind of make them um, be able to do their job more efficiently. It's not so much, hey, can it, um, you know, does it do what it promises to do? I assume that it it can uh, once it passes the does it work kind of criteria. Um, but after that, it's really, <clears throat> you know, how does it fit into the organization? And does the does the um, does that company have the resources to help make that happen? Because at the end of the day, it's kind of like we know kind of our team and our processes really well. And then and then um, the company knows their product really well. So we need to have the appropriate level of resources to connect and say, OK, you know, these are the things that we can do, you know, well, kind of together. And we need kind of your help. And so um, so we find you know, whenever we're, we're talking to companies, like what kind of support do they have? And, you know, training, because ultimately, once you get it integrated, we're very confident that it will help the organization. So I have to bring up the history here, but you were uh, a longtime believer in Next Health and Alamon. And Next Health, I am confident knowing Al and the team and our product and engineering folks the tool always worked, but you were using a fraction of what it is today and really believed in the business early on. So I wanted to get your perspective of like, what was it early on that you saw in NextHealth to have joined and committed your organization to our platform and ultimately have seen it through to what it is today? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, I, I think it was something you said earlier. It, it's a people business. And so, you know, when, when I got a chance to meet Alamine, it was just, hey, you know, we connected um, and kind of really like the vision that, you know, he had painted. And, you know, the thing with visions is, you know, you're not there yet, um, but really like the direction in which kind of Next Health was moving. Um, and, and even, you know, today, it was, it's a very kind of um, customer oriented kind of organization that will say, you know, it's, it, it's okay to you know tell me bad news. It's okay that you to tell me, hey, these are the things that you're you're not happy about because, um, you know, they'll evolve it. And so our prior um, kind of vendor that we dealt with, the product is very stagnant. There was nobody to talk to, um, and you know, you just didn't get this feeling like, okay, you know, I'm going to be here a year from now, and it will still be the same thing. Whereas um, with Al, you know, kind of chatting with them. He was always kind of soliciting, oh, you know, what do you think about this? What do you think we should build next? And, you know, didn't always listen to what I had to say, but there was that curiosity and kind of taking that kind of customer feedback uh, to continue to evolve the product and the company. Um, and so for us, like I was saying, like if we stayed with our other company, it would have been the same a year later. But with Nextel, it was like it was different from, you know, day one to day 365, it was different. And then, you know, the next kind of year was different. And that kind of continued evolution, just as, you know, we like to grow and we do things differently. Like earlier, I described our integration process. It did not work like that. You know, at the beginning, we had a lot of bumps and we took a lot of feedback. So philosophically, it felt like we were very kind of like-minded organizations. And um, and I thought that we could create a lot, lot together as a result. And again, I could, you know, thank you 10 times over, um, but 
the business, I know is extremely thankful for your trust early on um, because jumping into a platform that is early days relative to competition that's out there has way more features. But again, if the, if the curiosity, if the vision of the alignment, then, um, you know, it's hard to make that decision. So, you know, at least from our perspective, certainly, uh, extremely excited about the partnership. What are additional technology changes that you're thinking about implementing for the Smilist, you know, over the next year? So one thing that we've been thinking a lot about is just um, data. And, and I'm not sure if maybe this is specific to us. Um, I don't think so. But, you know, our ability to continue to leverage technology and all that it has to offer is heavily dependent on the information that we have. The good news is we have a lot of information about our patients, you know, um, all the times that they've come in, different types of procedures, kind of, you know, employers, insurance, all of this. I think that we have really kind of scratched the surface on utilizing that data to provide a very kind of customized um, you know, patient experience. And that could be in terms of, you know, patient education. It could be just kind of overall interactions that doesn't feel like, oh, I'm getting a a templated email that's kind of wishing me happy birthday on my birthday, you know? Um, And I think there's just a lot that can be done around around that. And I think there's a lot of flowing effects and not just in terms of like the actual, just like patient communication. Um, I know one of the things I was talking to Al about is like, how do we like Uberize the, that dental, you know, visit experience where, okay, you know, you're going to book your appointment online. um, You're going to know how much, you know, the visit it's going to cost. You're going to have all your payment details. You're going to come in, you're going to go, you know, get your treatment. And then you're just going to walk out. Just like you walk out of the car, there's not like, oh, well, let's this kind of checkout process and let me kind of, um, you know, book the next appointment, this and that. All of that can be done kind of dynamically and through kind of all the information. And so, again, hey, I noticed you really like to come in on, you know, Tuesdays at 4 p.m. And that's the, the time that will be offered to you. You know, again, we have all that information, but right now we don't quite utilize it or don't utilize it in a very systematic way. Um, and so, you know, even from, um, you know, revenue cycle management, you know, how do we take all the data that we have on insurances, insurance claim payments, denials, things like that, and then create, you know, what I call like a self-healing kind of database because we're constantly getting information. So how do we continue to fix that? That says, you know what? I have entered incorrectly that this thing should be paid at $100. Insurance keeps paying me, could be $101 or $99. But oftentimes, you know, organizations aren't fixing that or they're fixing it in a very manual way. And so how do you kind of create the systems that will allow it to kind of make these corrections with a certain set of rules um, so that the business runs, you know, more and more smoothly? Um, So I think that's... You know, I'm looking forward to that part. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like everything really just in service of trying to make for a much more seamless patient experience and thinking about just every single day, what's that 1% thing that we could be doing better to yes. almost catch up dental to a lot of industries that 
I think have done a great job of really thinking about the customer experience. Right. And that's where we look for a lot of examples that aren't necessarily, um, hey, let's look for, you know, whatever, a healthcare example. I think, you know, we look broadly in terms of like, hey, what do people like? And it's not necessarily enhancing, you know, um, you know, kind of continue on that Uber example, right? The Uber example is, I know what's going to cost, and then I just step out of the car. But if I were the, you know, the taxi cab company, I'd say, okay, well, you know, instead of paying cash, I'm going to have a credit card terminal and then, you know, make it easier for you because you can pay with a credit card terminal in the cab. But that's not necessarily like, you know, they're kind of stuck in their kind of, um, you know, mindset, right? Like their frame or the map of the world, as opposed to, no, you know, what I would love a world where, Hey, everybody just walks out of the practice. There is no checkout process needed. You know what's going to cost. You come in for it and you walk out. And yeah. everything kind of gets auto-billed. I don't have to take out my card. I don't need to do Apple Pay. Like all of these things are great, but it would be even greater if, um, you know, I'm valuing the patient's time and kind of providing that experience where, you know, that they're becoming more and more accustomed to. Yeah, there's a, I think Brian Chesky had a, I don't know if it was a podcast or a, a talk, but kind of went through the exercise of saying, what's a five-star experience? Yeah, the 11 star. <laughs> and it's just like, what's a 13-star experience, right? <laughs> yeah. but it really forces you to get out of your out of your world and think about stuff much more outside of the day-to-day -day and think, if we had to draw this from scratch and you end up thinking about such more innovative ideas. Yeah, Absolutely. Phil, we are, I mean, I'm taking a lot of time here. I know we're at the 30 minute mark, um, but what is a, a final parting word here on, you know, around technology, the challenge of implementing technology uh, to scale and grow, you know, both an employer brand, but also your organization? So I would say my final thought is really, um, you know, I always say, look, I'm not smart enough to figure out what are, you know, what's the technology that's going to win out and be dominant. But what I want, you know, for the organization is for us to, um, you know, be, be open-minded and flexible. And so our skill is not necessarily um, how to use a particular kind of software really well, as opposed to, um, hey, we're going to, um, you know, kind of be open to adopting new technologies all the time. Uh, whatever, kind of always looking over the horizon and being kind of curious, intellectually curious on how things can kind of help us continue to advance the, the patient experience. And so, um, yeah, so it's just not stuck with, hey, this is, you know, I implemented this and this will how it will always kind of be forever and ever. And I, th I feel like that's um, like a common mentality within dental. Um, and I think, look, we're fortunate to be in a time where I feel like there's this kind of dental technology renaissance where there's so many kind of smart and ambitious people thinking through kind of problems and how to apply technology to solve those problems. Um, some will be successful, some won't. Um, and I think from, from our perspective, it's like, okay, you know, company A is fantastic today, but you know, uh, didn't kind of keep up with the times and now company B is better. I want us to be good at, okay, well, we'll just switch to company B. 
maybe there, you know, again, like the integrations, there is the change management that we have to manage for. But if company B is actually doing it better, then we should focus on, you know, leveraging the best tools that are available, um, you know, to us in the marketplace uh, for us to deliver a better patient experience. I'm certain that you've built an organization of adaptation um, <laughs> and, you know, dealing with those changes and having lots of people who are, you know, ready to make changes and, uh, you know, build something not just great at the organizational level, but at the practice level for each patient. Yeah. Um, Phil, thank you so much for the time today. Thank you for having me. We will certainly be in touch. I know we will. Um, but thank you for joining the show. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Phil.